Hey, this is Pastor Bradley, and I want to welcome you to the Res Church podcast. Res Church is a place where people discover life through knowing and following Jesus. And so we hope that you will be blessed by this message. Andy, I'm one of the elders here at Resurrection Church. I'd like to welcome you here this morning, whether in this room or online. We are continuing to study um, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we'll be picking back up in chapter 10. I'm going to read the sermon text this morning if you want to turn there. Luke chapter 10. Here's some pages turning. It'll be on the screen as well. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he'd rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I see that many for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. These are the words of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andy. Also want to welcome Stan. Um, love you, brother. Excited about you joining with us. My name's Jonathan. I'm one of the elders here at Resurrection Church. Sorry, Bradley's not here, but uh, I hope you'll give, uh, give me the opportunity to, to open the word with you. As Bradley mentioned last week, he had been exposed. He did test positive. The update is they're doing fine. Uh, Mary is doing well as she is recovering. The kids are doing okay, and Bradley's improving quickly. Pray for them. But uh, I got the call on Tuesday to get ready. Uh, if you know, it, previously I've always been given at least three, maybe four weeks in advance. So. <laughs> Uh, if you know anything about me, uh, I tend to like to think before I speak. Well, the, there's not much opportunity here to do a lot of thinking. So uh, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, he called me. On, I was like, dude, I got to pray about this. I don't know. <laughs> on Wednesday, I was like, all right, I think I'm ready. I think I can do this. But we need to pray. And so Bradley and I prayed on Wednesday that God would make a way. Again, I work for myself. My schedule is very busy uh, with clients uh, doing physical therapy, and God just parted the sea all of a sudden. Normally, when I don't have a gap, all of a sudden I had two and a half hours 
just like people just moved and canceled their or rescheduled their appointments. In a half hours, God answered our And it was absolutely amazing, and I was filled with joy, and that's what we're going to talk about today is our joy. So we all have lots of opportunities to experience joy, and I just want to pray before we get started, and uh, let's open his word. So pray with me. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're with the Cox family, and Father, you're, you're healing their bodies. And Father, I thank you that you saw all of this before it even happened. And Father, you were ordaining it, you were orchestrating it. And Father, I thank you that you've asked me, come before your people and do one thing, and that's to put you on display, to proclaim your goodness, and Father, if I can do that with your help, Father, I've, asked, you've, I've done what you've asked me to do. Let them not see me, let them see you. And Father, your words, not my words, help me, Holy Spirit, to do just this. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we all have opportunities to experience joy in lots of different experiences that we have. And so I'd ask you just to think, maybe in the last two weeks, what kinds of events have you had that the outcome of the event, you were like, wow, that really, I felt joy based on how that event came out and how it turned out. As you kind of get that event in your head, think about if you could pinpoint one thing about that event, that was the thing that made the outcome so joyous. What would that be? If you could think of the event, and then you could pinpoint one thing, man, that really brought me joy. Because of this, it turned out like that, and wow, joy was there. For me, in the past two weeks, we had this big day called Christmas, right? It wasn't that long ago. You probably have already forgotten about it, but I didn't. There was a lot of joy. I've got three young kids, and they're just at that perfect age. They're not in here right now, but they're at that perfect age where it's just the magic is still in their eyes. And at Christmas morning, they came rushing in the door. Mommy and daddy, get up, get up. It's time to go. There's presents. We got to go open them. Well, Mandy and I had told them, you don't come in our room until 7 a.m. <laughs> and then we'll all go together and we'll look at what's under the tree and we'll open the presents together. So at 7 a.m. in zero seconds... The doors flew open and they jumped on our bed. Mommy and daddy, get up. Let's go. Let's go. What are you waiting on? We got presents to open. Okay, give me a second. Let me get out of bed. All right. So we got in there, not as fast as they wanted to, but we got in there and we were able to open the presents together. And they were just so excited about seeing what each other got. Again, there's three of them. It's like, oh man, you got what you asked for. Oh, can I help? Will you put that Lego set together? Oh, can, can we play that board game together? And they were just excited together. And it was in that that there was joy for me, seeing them be excited together. So 
in chapter 10 of Luke, we have seen him send out the 72. He sent them out to, with specific instructions. He sent them out first, pray, pray before you go. Pray to the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is the Lord's work and you are being invited to participate with him in this work. Instruction number one. Instruction number two that he gave them was go. He gave them specific instructions. Go, don't talk to the people on the road, don't take this, eat here, speak peace. But ultimately, he gave them two things to do in their going. First, proclaim. Proclaim that the kingdom had come near. Second, heal the sick in the power and in the authority that I've given you. So the 72 were appointed, they were given their instructions, and they were going. But he gave them a little bit of caution. He said, know that everywhere you go, you may not be accepted. Know that not everyone's going to receive the peace that you give. But also he encouraged them. He said, know that the Lord has gone ahead of you. The harvest is ripe. The hearts are ready to hear. Know that the Lord is with you, and you can go in boldness and in confidence participating with the Holy Spirit in this work and in the healing. So today, we get to see them come back full of joy, ready to tell Jesus how it went in, his, in their report. So let's read 10 verse 17. How did they come back? What did they say? Verse 17 of chapter 10, the 72 returned with joy, excitement, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So if we're living well in this text, we would expect them to come back excited, hopefully. They did, they went, they proclaimed. But we would probably expect them to come back talking about what he sent them to do, proclaiming and healing the sick. But there's this word here, and I want you to underline it, it's even. Lord, even. So this word, it, it makes me think about my son Nolan, my oldest. If you haven't met him, he looks just like me, just a little younger. Um, didn't fall far from the tree in that he loves baseball and eats, sleeps, and drinks baseball. And so our thing together is to practice, and we go to... David Jackson, and we'll, the field nearby, and we'll play. We'll work on his fundamentals. He's a catcher. He's a middle infielder, second base and shortstop. And we'll work on his fielding, getting his feet right. We'll work on his throwing. We'll work on his hitting, making sure he's hitting up the middle and not creating bad habits. That's what we do together in preparation for practice with his team and in preparation for games. I don't get to go to practice with him, mainly because it's while I'm working. So afterwards, I'm like, bud, give me the update. Tell me how it went. You went to practice. We practiced together. How did it go? Tell me, how did it go? Well, this past week, he came home and I just couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to give me the update on how it went. And it was, dad, you wouldn't believe. I got to play shortstop. The last couple practices, you know, I've been at catcher. I got to play shortstop. And we were turning these double plays, and I was so ready to do it exactly how we had practiced.
But dad, coach hit it way over here by third base. And I had to run over there. Remember, we're doing double plays, dad. Second base is right over here. We're running over here. And he hit it so fast, I just had to dive, dad. I couldn't do what you had talked about, catching it right here. I couldn't do that. Dad, I just had to dive. And dad, second base is back here. So I was going this way and I dove and I didn't even look, dad. I just threw the ball like that. And get, dad, it was like, bam, bam, bam. We got the double play. Dad, even I did that play. Dad, I don't need to worry about the fundamentals. We're over that. I'm past that, dad. I made that play. So can we practice this play, dad? Even, can you believe I even made that play? That's what the 72 come to Jesus. Even, again, if we're living well in the story, we would expect that they would come saying, Jesus, we went to all the places you told us. They all received us, except for this one, just that, that one city they didn't, but all the other ones, they were ready to hear. You told us the harvest was ripe. And Jesus, we batted 100. We healed everybody. There wasn't a single illness that we didn't have power and authority over. That's not what they came back and said. That's not what they were full of joy about. They were overwhelmed that even the demons were subject to, their, subject to them in his name. The other things happened, the proclaiming and the healing, but that's not where their joy was. He didn't even instruct them in verses 3 to 12 to cast out demons. Again, they were minimizing their joy in the sickness, healing the sick and proclaiming. Rather, they were on a little bit of a power trip and full of joy on this overpowering, look at what we did, Jesus. So Jesus sees this as a discipleship opportunity. Whoa, there's something here that we need to kind of learn something about. Again, not just men. There were 72. We would assume there were some women in that group as well. He recognizes that they need to make sure that their joy is anchored in the right thing and that their joy is directed in the right way. Why? Why would Jesus be so concerned about, hey, they're excited. Let them be excited. Like, it's okay. Why is he concerned that their joy be directed to, towards and in the right thing? Because he knows that if they're going to continue to participate with the Spirit in the next opportunity, that their joy has to be anchored in the right thing for the next opportunity, for their ongoing participation with him in the kingdom advancement. So what is the right thing? What was Jesus wanting their joy to be anchored in? Let's read verses 18 to 20. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, underline that, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus tells the 72, I saw the kingdom of darkness crumbling. As you were casting out demons, I saw the effect. 
You were winning battles against the kingdom of darkness, but the big battle, it's not over. The final battle against darkness is not over yet. It's kind of like D-Day. Again, it wasn't the start of the World War II, but it was a significant battle. And it was those troops who stormed the beaches of Normandy against the opposition of bullets flying past them. They pressed on and they were able to capture a stronghold. And in that victory, there was reason to see that the power that they were fighting against in Germany was crumbling, but the war wasn't over. They had to keep pressing on. In verse 19, he says, Behold, I have given you. Again, that's in the perfect present tense. That means they have been given authority and they will continue. There will be an ongoing giving of authority. There will continue to be more opportunities for them to fight against the kingdom of darkness and for the, uh, the serpents and the scorpions, we may say that, that Satan and his little minions, for them to have victory over them. But there's three things that Jesus really wants them to learn and understand and grow in their knowledge in relation to this going and in this participating. The first, the kingdom of darkness is being overthrown. The second, don't go on a power trip over this authority that I have given you. Know that you're going to have more opportunities to participate in it. Remember, disciples, I sent you out as lambs among wolves, not as superheroes with a big JC on your chest. And rejoice in humility that you are a part of the kingdom because you didn't earn it. You didn't earn this opportunity. The victories are not a result of your awesomeness. It's a result of what God has done and is doing, and he's invited you to participate in it. He wants their joy to be in the right thing. Nevertheless, he says, don't rejoice in this. Don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rather, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And this is a huge teaching moment for them and for us. We can't miss this. We must rejoice knowing that the Lord of the harvest has extended his grace to us and that we are a part of the kingdom. That your hearts have heard, have received the good news, and that the kingdom has come near to you. And that you have been invited to participate in the advancement of the kingdom. In this hearing, this receiving, this participating is not based on anything that you did. It's 100% based on the work of the king of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest. Rejoice, disciples. Rejoice, Rez, that your names are inscribed, engraved, written forever in heaven. So in verse 21 and 22, we see an incredible moment that happens 
Jesus has a joy-filled party with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Let's read 21 and 22. In that same hour, he, Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is only one of two places in all the Gospels that it says that Jesus rejoiced. This is important. This is a huge moment. Jesus being filled, being moved by the Spirit, rejoices, giving thanks to the Father, saying, Father, this is what pleased you to do. It pleased the Father to hide these things. What are these things? First, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and the Father must reveal the true identity of the Son. The second, the Father has chosen to reveal his free electing love through grace, not to the understanding and to the wise, but to little children. What does he mean by little children? Those who are humble, those who are dependent on the work of the Father to open their eyes and to be able to see and to understand. See, this goes against what the world would say is our human merit, who should have seen, who should have understood. The world tells us that it's those who study the hardest, those who read the most, those who have had the most schooling, that's who's going to understand the most, that's who's going to see it the best. Jesus go, God goes against this, but it's when Jesus sees the Father freely opening the eyes and the hearts of the undeserving, of the untrained, to see and to hear that, the cho- that you have been chosen by the Father into the kingdom and your names have been written in heaven, not based on anything that you did, but entirely based on his choosing of you. This results in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father rejoicing together. And in this, we too should rejoice. There should be joy that wells up inside of us when we see that our eyes have been opened and our ears have been opened to see and know who the true Son is and that He has revealed this to us, not based on anything that we have done. So in verses 23 and 24, then turning to the disciples, Jesus, He said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For, anytime you see that word, you can write because. Because I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus, looking at the 72, said, blessed or enviable. Remember, Bradley's talked about that previously in Luke. The enviable life, the blessed life, 
It's enviable that you get to see what you're seeing right now, 72. It's enviable that you get to know and see what you see, Rez. Don't miss this opportunity to rejoice, recognizing the magnitude of this moment. It's enviable that you're seeing the coming of the kingdom in the sun, that the kingdom is being manifested in people's hearts and in their minds are being open to who the Son truly is, and that the kingdom of Satan is being overthrown. And as the Father reveals the true Son to whom he chooses, because it's enviable, because kings and prophets desired to see this, and they didn't get to. They longed, they prayed, they looked earnestly, and they didn't get to, but you get to. In Luke 4, turn with me. Sixteen four, Luke 4, 16 to 19. Isaiah the prophet prophesied about the coming of the kingdom, about the son whom the kingdom would come through, about eyes being opened, ears being opened, to the good news. Luke 4, 16, And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. Again, the Son, the true identity of the Son coming and being made known to proclaim the good news, proclamation, proclaiming the good news to the poor, the dependent, the humble. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, hearing, proclamation, and receiving sight to the blind, opening of eyes to see and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim, hearing that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah prophesied about this. He hoped that he would be there to see it come, but he didn't. And it's enviable that we get to. 72, don't miss this. It's enviable that you get to see what prophets prophesied about, and they didn't get to see it, but you get to. There's joy In Psalm 146, King David, the king in whom God chose to be his king, his king of the people. King David wrote songs about the kingdom coming, about the Lord's reign being established, about eyes being opened. In Psalm 146, verse 8, the Lord sets his prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. In verse 10, the Lord will reign forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. King David didn't get to see it, but you do. Rez, are we a part of the enviable group who gets to see the Father revealing his Son to whom he chooses? Yes. We are a part of the kingdom. We are invited to participate 
with the Lord of the harvest to proclaim that the kingdom has come and that his peace is here. We should be joyful. We should be prayerful as the Father has invited us to be laborers as he chooses to cultivate the harvest, as he fills us with the Spirit to be conduits, to reveal his Son, the true identity of his Son, to those whom he chooses by grace for his good pleasure. In this, we should rejoice. He wanted to make sure that their joy was anchored in the right thing, that their names were written in heaven, and that it wasn't their doing, it was his doing, and it had nothing to do with anything of their awesomeness, had all to do with the work of the Father. And we should also recognize that it's because of him that we know, that we see, that we hear, our eyes have been opened, and that we get to participate with him. And remember, as I said, he wanted to make sure that their ongoing participation would be able to be anchored in the right thing. Same for us. The next opportunity that you have to proclaim the good news, to speak peace to someone in the power and in the authority that he has given you that should not be anchored in, look at who I am, but it's look at who he is, who has filled me and who has given me the opportunity to participate with him in proclaiming the good news to you. Do we have joy in this, Rez? Let our joy be anchored in the right thing. Andy, if you would, come and close us out. Thank you for that word, Jonathan. I think it's so neat that in that passage that there's a lot of bravado with the disciples about <clears throat> what they did and how the uh, spirits were subject to them. And yet, when Jesus prays, he refers to them as little children. There's not a lot of strength in little children, but there's a lot of dependence. Um, I think that's, that's really good. It's so awesome that we get to participate with him in the harvest, that we can labor and that we can have joy, as the text says, in turning people to the Lord. Amen. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son. You sent your son to disciple, you sent your son to die, and you sent your son to come back one of these days and gather up his people. His people, the church. Father, I pray that we share the gospel, the good news about Jesus, always. Father, you've commissioned us, you appointed these 72, but you've commissioned us to share that good news, to bring others into the kingdom of God that you're doing. Father, we're so thankful that we can be instruments of your work in your harvest. Father, resource us, and God, just help us realize and see and enjoy 
Rejoice in the joy that we can have in only you. God, I love you and I praise you and ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We hope that the Lord has blessed you through today's message and we would love to hear from you. Tell us how God is working in your life and how we can pray for you. You can also help us reach others by investing at resfaith.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us.